Hello and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Will Robinson, CEO of Encapture. Encapture is a company that brings machine learning to banks and lenders to help them understand what is going on with their data and make better decisions. And with that, here's my interview with Will. Will, thanks for taking the time today. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. So Will Robinson of Encapture, tell us about Encapture. Yeah, so we're a machine learning platform in the intelligent document processing space. It's kind of a niche space, but what we're really good at is finding and extracting important info out of documents. If you think about how this relates to a bank, there's a lot of incoming paperwork. Uh-huh. And uh, if you think about you know when people apply for a loan, all the way to um, some basic compliance reporting that banks have to do up to different regulatory agencies, there's a lot of paperwork flying back and forth. And our software makes it really easy for the bank to identify key information, uh, identify the correct documents that they need to uh, complete a task. And we save uh, these banks a ton of time and effort around manual data entry or the manual stare and compare that a lot of them are used to. Okay, we're going to dive into a bunch of those little use cases you mentioned there and really kind of unpack some of them. But before we do, talk, talk to me about the origin of the company. How did it come to be? Yeah, it's kind of an interesting story. The company started 25 years ago, back in 1998, and really was started as a partner to some legacy automation software companies in this industry. And uh, we would get brought in to help build out solutions on behalf of the software company. We were really more of kind of a professional services or consulting company. And probably 15 years ago, we started building in Capture our own product to fill in some gaps in this market around collecting documents and and identifying important information. So I joined the company about four years ago as part of a growth equity investment that we received. And really, our our focus over the last several years has been developing our own technology and really uh, trying to find some really compelling, sticky use cases in the financial services space to apply our tech. So it's been a it's been a, a really interesting journey for the company as a whole and uh, an interesting journey for me as the CEO. I'm not the founder, uh, which brings a different dynamic, uh, but we've been in this banking space for a long, long time, know it really well. Excellent. Okay, so speaking of use cases, let's go into that because you gave some very, you know, very top level uh, summary of what it is you do. So effectively, you go to meet with a bank for the first time. What is it, an example that is tangible to them that you're, they're going to be able to understand out the gate? Yeah, that's a great question. The problem is there's probably 30 examples that we can give. And so, so much of it is dependent upon who are we talking to in that meeting and what sort of problems are they are they solving in their organization? I'll give you two quick examples. The first is one that, that most everybody can understand given, given the example. But uh, if we're talking to someone who's running loan operations, call it on the mortgage team. Everyone, you know, anyone who's ever bought a home or apartment knows that when you go talk to your banker, they're going to say, hey, Will, Thanks for applying for a loan. I'm going to need a copy of your driver's license. I'm going to need a recent pay stub, last couple of years of tax returns. I'm going to pull a credit report. Um, and they're collecting a bunch of, of documentation on you from all these different sources, some coming from you, some coming from third parties. And then the bank's using all this information to try to make a decision, you know, should I give Will a loan or not? And typically there are, are big groups of folks in the back office who sit there and they manually collect this. It feels very... 1965 in some ways. Um, and they they sort through the documents, even if they're digital, it doesn't all have to be physical paperwork, but you know, PDFs are coming in and um and, and they're just looking through this stuff and they're and they're 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 trying to find, you know, what's a Will's annualized income. And if he has a co what's their information? 
and they're inputting all this information into you know a loan origination system to go make a decision. So that's one area where we can get involved and make it really easy to collect those um, incoming documents. Once we have the documents, again, we use machine learning to read through them. We can identify that it's a pay stub. We can identify the amount on the pay stub. We can look at the dates of the pay stub and then calculate an annualized income. And then we can check that amount against maybe a third-party system to say, hey, do these things match? Um, so we're saving a lot of time and effort uh, on just the data processing of that. Um, so that's the use case that everybody seems to understand. But there's a bunch of little niche uh, use cases. A big one right now, Jason, is compliance reporting. So there are, huh. different, there are different regulatory agencies that require banks to report certain information on the loans that they give just to make sure that they are not discriminating in their lending process. Typically, when the compliance team goes to report this data, there's no good source of truth of the key data points they need to report except in those source files. And so a lot of times that team's having to go back to the initial application or things like you know the, the driver's license or tax returns, et cetera, to pull some of this information. Um, or they're pulling up the loan agreement and looking for things like interest rate. But again, they're searching through very dense attorney-prepared loan agreements, legal agreements. And so it takes them a lot of time to do that. So we can actually go through all these different loan documents, go through the entire loan package, find all the key data they need, pull it out for them and allow them to report it with a lot more accuracy and, and candidly, a, a lot more speed than they would do it manually. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny to think that there are people whose jobs it is, is to basically look at people's IDs in, uh, in banks. So, I mean, we're talking, what we're talking about here is well beyond the simple thing that people are starting to get used to, I think, which is OCR. It's like, okay, I, I scanned something in and, oh, look, it, it picked up, you know, words that were on this. I mean, Apple's even built that into their photos app the other day. I was searching for something and a photo up and it was because there was an image of a billboard in the background that had that word. And I was like, okay, that's getting a little bit, <laughs> a little bit interesting there. Uh, so, I mean, that's one thing, because it's just extraction of information. What you're actually doing is contextualizing it and basically being able to then action off that context. Is that about right? Yeah, that's spot on. And it's funny, a lot of people say, oh, you guys are an OCR company. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. we're not. OCR has been around a long time. It's a commoditized service. There's a handful of really, really big players who do OCR really well. But what we layer in is the machine learning to, as you said, Jason, identify the, the important data. It's one thing to have to you know, go search a document and look for certain words like we can all do today. But it's another thing for that system to identify the patterns in the information, pull out the key data automatically and have it available for you to use it elsewhere. So that's kind of the uh, that's the secret layer on top that uh, is really transforming not only not only banking but but a bunch of other industries as well. And um, I would say the big the big impact uh, over the last several years is the ability to read through unstructured documents. So, mm-hmm. like I mentioned, that attorney prepared note that's a legal document that that yeah. looks different for every single loan and buried in the forty five pages of dense paragraph. You know, paragraphs of text are really key key pieces of information. So, how can a system go through that document, mimic human behavior, and identify the key pieces? That technology has gotten a lot better in the last few years, which opens up the use cases for these lenders in in terms of how they're using uh, machine learning. Yeah, we've had some interesting use cases. I mean, FP Alpha was on the show previously, and they're specializing in reading people's wills and powers of attorney and trust documents, right? And being able to extract the context of those. I mean, when you think about it, you know, different 
there's, yeah, there's a couple of legal templates out there, but every lawyer can make their own unique butterfly of one and being able to not only extract the information, but also the context of what that person's name means in that place. And then what are the, what are the rights and privileges associated? It's not, that's, that's a pretty impressive feat. So that's uh, okay. So give me an example of, uh, of compliance and OCR. So, I mean, let's call it machine learning over OCR. So that's, that's, that's really actionable information. That's all about greasing the wheels on their, um, on their processes, right? But I mean, machine learning as applications well beyond just process automation. Like what other what other use cases are you seeing that are kind of outside of that kind of use case that you just gave me? Yeah, there's a ton, Jason. Um, you know, we're specifically focused on, you know, extracting data out of documents, document processing. There uh, are growing use cases around actually decisioning, making decisions about a loan based on the information without a, a person being involved. That in of itself has a lot of... Uh, bankers and regulators a little bit nervous because, again, you want to make sure that the system is not discriminating in any way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are um, there are a bunch of different um, analytical applications for machine learning as well, coming through really, really large data sets within the bank to look for patterns like fraud or you know some of this discriminatory lending that, that banks are really keen to make sure that doesn't happen uh, within their organization. So it's growing, even mimicking on the kind of the more customer-facing side having chatbots that can help troubleshoot a problem on behalf of a borrower or customer of the bank and feed them in the right uh, support queue quickly, or maybe just solve their problem altogether. You guys, you've probably seen all the, the chat GPT stuff in the last few weeks, but it's incredible how far machine learning has come uh, to mimic kind of a natural conversation between a system and between a person. So there's a ton to do here. And I think one thing that a lot of banks are thinking about right now is, okay, where are some very practical ways that we can implement machine learning, especially if you're a smaller bank. You know, you're not going to have the budget, the resources to really go tackle all these things. But but where can we where can we start with some very practical solutions that are going to bring a big lift, but also you know allow us to kind of innovate and compete against some of these up and coming fintechs. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one. It's uh, the ChatGP has been quite quite amusing online. Unfortunately, I've, I've I've tested it to see how many bad financial advisory pitches it could make, and uh, and I gotta say, it's a does just as good a job of making bad pitches <laughs> as, uh, as some advisors do. So it's quite quite hilarious. Um, so okay, so you've got those. See now, one of the biggest uses, I mean, like machine learning, the entire kind of like you know, ethos of it is throwing a tremendous amount of data at something and letting it figure something out, right? Like that's really what we, you know, the, the general knowledge on, on um, or general belief or understanding of machine learning is amongst anyone who actually understands the term. Uh, but you're talking about the actual implementation of this. Talk to me about how much of what you've done has been training the algorithms or them training themselves to find and extract this. How much of this has been, actually, the question is, how much has this been human interaction versus large data sets and saying, look for this kind of thing? Like, how did you guys get this thing to the point where it's at? Yeah, that's a good question. And that's probably uh, one of the more common, I wouldn't say misconceptions, because it's accurate. You know, the, the fundamental premise of machine learning is that you train it on data sets. Larger data sets generally, generally can lead to better results if those data sets are high quality. And the system over time um, if it has a proper feedback loop uh, built into it, it can get, you know, quote unquote, get smarter over time. So as, but as we break that down and, and I'll just relate it to our specific uh, use case mm-hmm. around extracting data from documents and doing data scrubbing, um, it's kind of a crawl, walk, run. And, and you need to, you know, people need to understand machine learning is a lot like having kind of a new employee 
in your organization, maybe someone right out of right out of college. They're they're smart, they're eager, they're excited, but they don't really know much. They've got some basic skills. And what you do is, you know, just like just like training that new employee, you feed them examples of documents. Maybe their job is to, you know, hunt and peck for the key data. Well, you start giving them, you start giving them examples. Here's a pay stub, here's a tax return, uh, here's a loan agreement, here are the data fields that you're trying to find. And let me give you some examples of where to find these in these documents. And then our human brain is is starting to look for patterns and and look for ways to to find that data. Now you take this college, you know, this fresh college grad, and you you turn them loose for a couple of days, and you say, hey, I want you to go through this loan package and find all this data. They're going to come back with a lot of questions, a lot of things that are wrong, a lot of hey, I just can't find this anywhere. And what you do is you sit back down with them and you train them again, you train them again, train them again, until they get really proficient at not only identifying data in the obvious spots, but they've seen all the corner cases as well. And they know how to kind of, you know, think their way through finding that piece of data. So training a machine learning system is very, very similar. Feeding it data, there's different methods. And we don't, Jason, we can geek out on this if we need to, but there's there are certain methods of training where you feed it massive data sets. Like I'm talking thousands or tens of thousands of samples of documents. Mm-hmm. And you let the machine learning kind of figure it out on its own and come back to you with with results that you can then kind of tune and train and tweak really by just feeding it more samples. There's also some, some, and this is what we like, which is a bit more of a supervised machine learning approach where you actually have a human intervene early on in that process and you give the system hints, direction, guidance, confirmation that what they're doing is correct. And so that allows us to train up these, these algorithms with a lot fewer samples. So people ask all the time, how many samples do I need of something? A lot of it depends on how structured the content is. If it's a highly structured form that comes in the same format every time, maybe 5, 10, 15 samples max. If it's an attorney-prepared note, again, depending on the data you're looking for, you may need several dozen. But if you've got a human, if you've got a human there that can help um, understand how the system's making decisions, uh, which, which is kind of how our, our secret sauce works, um, mm-hmm. and the system can tell you how it comes up with certain decisions, the human can then come in and inform and enhance and validate, confirm some of this data, which makes it go a lot faster. So that's one thing that we talk about a lot is, uh, is you know, it's really important that you feed really good, clean data into mm-hmm. your into your model in the first place. But if you've got, you know, if you've got some folks in like we do, we've been in this banking industry a long time, we've seen all the different use cases. And so it's actually pretty easy for us to get involved and get that system performing at a high degree of, of accuracy uh, fairly quickly with few samples relative to some of these other techniques. And it's interesting you talked about, you know, the human being able to extra to be review the the decision-making process of the machine learning algorithm, simply because, you know, a lot of these things that you see discussed now, especially once a large scale, it's like, okay, the machine found something, but you don't really know how, right? I mean, you know, we're talking about, in, the, in your case, it's a little bit more straightforward because you have sample documents, right? You can say, okay, you came to this conclusion. Why'd you come to this conclusion? Go through the code, you know, figure that out versus, you know, some of the stuff out there that's like trying to find, you know, absurd little weird unknown correlations between asset classes or weather and whatever it is, right? Like, and those things it's taking in, well, I'm taking in 5,000 data points, right? Those 5,000 data points, I've weighed them a certain way. It's just, you know, reverse engineering that is a heck of a lot harder than, you know, beneficiary name or ID or like address. So I think, you know, the, the, the tightness, relative tightness of your data set really does play in quite well uh, into being able to have that human versus machine interaction. Um, now that, that leads me to an interesting question as well, is that, you know, what has been the human reaction to this type of technology when you walk into businesses and show them what you've done? I mean, I got to feel that, you know, at some point you're basically saying like, 
Don't worry about it. You don't have to ask someone, look at this. Just let the just let our computer do it for you. It'll verify these people. And you know, everyone who's in charge of AML and uh and AML in particular must be like, what? Are you kidding me? No. We need to have someone sign on this and have them liable. So, so talk to me about the initial reaction you get from possible clients and how you get through any kind of like, well, how you work through those issues. Yeah, it's several reactions. Sometimes we have a lot of skepticism. You know, I don't, I just don't believe you can do this. This sounds like magic. Or, you know, I've tried this, you know, I already worked with an OCR company, which makes us cringe. I worked with an OCR company and they couldn't make this work. And you're like, well, I they don't they don't make this stuff work. That's not how they work. But I'm glad they tried to get, you know, tried to sell you something that that wasn't working. So there's a lot of skepticism that we have to get through. I think, I think if we can get through that, uh, a lot of excitement, you know. Some people ask us sometimes, well, Will, aren't you the guys who come in and say, hey, we're just going to like slash headcount by 80% and, and people are fearful of their jobs. And what typically happens is these groups are already, so if you take a step back, especially in this world, kind of with the great resignation over the last several years and just the perpetual labor shortages, these types of jobs, uh, you know, processing paperwork, doing manual industry, these are, these are not high demand jobs. Uh, not a lot of folks want to get into this work. So it's hard for these banks to find people to do this. So they're generally short-staffed already, or they have bankers or uh, more front office folks that are having to spend time doing this mundane data entry mm-hmm. when they don't really spending time on it. So a lot of times it's excitement, it's relief. And you know we're able to come in and have a really, really compelling efficiency play that, that typically allows the people who were doing this work to actually move on to higher value work. Or, or you know, maybe reshuffle to another problem in the organization. So, uh, you know, we we have to definitely hold hands through this. And again, some of our prospects are familiar with machine learning, how it works, um, and they understand kind of the limitations of it. It you know, it doesn't do everything, and it doesn't do everything 100% accurately. Uh, so, we've also noticed with prospects who have not spent a lot of time in machine learning, or all they've seen are the IBM commercials that promise you know, machine learning will, will cure all the world's problems. They think this stuff kind of is magic and, mm-hmm. and it's hard for us to, we have to kind of reset expectations and say, hey, this is going to be a little bit of a, a, this is an incremental iterative process that we're going to go through with you guys to get to the desired outcome. We're not just going to turn something on day one and and you should expect, you know, nobody's ever looking at data again. So that's, that's that. You know, and to your point, Jason, too, the compliance folks, you know, we're not making decisions about credit or about new account openings, we're simply looking for the data in the documents um, and making that that hunt and peck a lot more efficient. And so a lot of times the controls and processes, like from an AML perspective that are in place, we don't really, we don't really like up in that per se. We just feed a lot better data into it a lot faster so they can make better decisions. Humans can make better decisions or existing processes can make better decisions. So um, we get people around that, you know, a lot or people are worried we're going to discriminate in our process. And we're like, hey, we don't we don't care about that. We're just looking through, you know, we're looking through an application or we're looking through financial statements trying to find revenue and gross profit. Like we don't, you know, you guys are making the actual credit decisions around who gets a loan and why. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think having that visibility is really important. Yeah. By going back to your comment about, well, you already dealt with an OCR company. Well, there's a fundamental difference in understanding of something's trying to extract a piece of data that's supposed to be in one place at all times and, and lift that thing versus something is reading an entire document and, and discerning no matter where it is, where that piece of information is. You know, it's like a night and day. It's, it's, uh, it's the difference between something that, you know, 
again, it's, it's difference between very, very myopic view and, and, and looking at the entire picture. So, but uh, I get it. You know, people have been burned in the past. Okay. So, you know, you're using this in some pretty straightforward and it would make sense verticals right now. You're doing this particularly pretty much across different lending platforms. Um, is this where you see yourself staying or where do you see yourself branching out to? Yeah, we've got a lot of room to run at this point in the in the lending space. I mean, we we do work. I use mortgage as an example, um, but we do commercial lending, auto lending, both direct and indirect, like through dealerships. Uh, we work with a couple of consumer kind of fintech lenders that are doing real time, you know, online micro loans, if you will, uh, that are less secured and a little bit based more based on you know someone's uh, maybe a, you know bank statement, if you will. There's a ton to do there. I mean, I, I mentioned the compliance reporting. There's a lot of kind of retail new account opening and kind of branch automation, deposit automation that we can use. Again, anywhere, anyone sign, you know, any place someone's showing up and having to fill out paperwork or submit supporting documents to do something at a bank is where we can get involved. So there's a lot of room to run there. And, you know, there's 5,000 banks or so in the US, you know, 200 of them have been, are the really big kind of uh, historically sophisticated folks who maybe use machine learning um, or have the, Capability to do this, you know, more in house. But there's a super long tail of, of community banks and kind of smaller regional banks that would love this technology that have never been exposed to it at all. So we feel like we're very much tip of the iceberg there. That being said, we have insurance clients that are uh, processing claims. Again, it's kind of the same process as a loan, as, as you know, a new loan, a new a new claim, like a in a car accident or a, or a healthcare claim. <laughs> A lot of paperwork coming from different parties, a lot of regulation around collecting specific data and reporting on it, doing that in a timely way. Uh, so insurance is a big space. Uh, state and local government. If you've ever been to, to the you know your local DMV to renew a driver's license or apply for a passport or uh, un- unemployment benefits, again, a lot of paperwork that's being shuffled, not only between the, um, you know, uh, I guess the citizen and, and the agency, but also behind the scenes, making sure that everything's done correctly. So there's a ton of use cases. Healthcare, again, highly regulated industry. Think about how many times you go to the doctor or go to a hospital and you have to fill out the same forms. You're doing it on a clipboard and you're saying, this is 2022. Why has this not become uh, more digital or more efficient? And there's a lot of just regulatory reasons uh, for, for healthcare providers making you do that. So we feel like the adjustment market's massive. Um, like I said, we, we feel like we're in the early innings over here. And we've got we've got room to run in, in banking and lending, I think, for the next several years. Well, it's a large enough sector and there's enough different types of lending products that exist out there. But I would I would hazard to agree with you. I mean, I think a, there's a, you know, in particular because the quantity of data that's taken in is is quite enormous. And I think that is usually valuable as well. Um, oh, sorry. And the quantity of data is taken in is, is rather diverse and enormous, and I think that's that's really the natural fit for you. But I can think of any number of other applications off the top of my head, right? I'm sure you are too. You guys probably spitball this all the time as to what else you're going to do. So I think, uh, yeah, you got uh, a lot of plat- lot a lot of room to grow here. So all right, um, and is it still is the thinking is still to keep your machine learning within the entire kind of like information extraction uh, process? Is that where you're really looking to be? You know, for now it is. I mean, we kind of take the mindset. If we can go solve everything there is to solve with the current product we have, then we'll think about doing more. But there is so much demand for really just processing documents, extracting data that that we feel like we can take this really far. So there's a couple of adjacent things we we, we look at from time yep. to time, kind of some some basic uh, business rules or decisioning using that data. 
that I think we may be able to layer in over time. But again, this is more just strategy than anything. Uh, we'd rather kind of go an inch wide, a mile deep, do really, really well, dominate, and then and then kind of move one more inch over and, and do that well as well. All right. I think that makes perfect sense. All right. Well, so there's three questions before we wrap up that I like to ask everybody then on a positive note. The first one is if you had one wish for something to change in your company, the industry as a whole, what would it be? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I'd say, so I guess industry as a whole, there are a lot of folks out there that are, and this is what makes it hard for us. Uh, and I referenced this earlier. A lot of folks who just make big, big claims on stuff that they cannot substantiate. And there's no good way to police that. You know, I, I wish people would just say what they can actually do. And, and maybe that would be my wish. Uh, people are, are, are truthful on the front end. But it, it does feel like there's a lot of swirl and buzzwords in our space that can kind of clutter the value prop and, and sometimes make it hard for the folks who are doing great things. And not just us. There's a couple other players in our industry that are doing really, really good things. But we get, we get uh, lumped in, like I said earlier, with the quote unquote OCR companies and, and some other, other folks. Um, and, and expectations are just misset. So, uh, you know, it's a it's a new industry. It's but it's also kind of in some ways an old industry. And so there's a lot of claims going around, and that can make it d- difficult for a buyer to ascertain whether or not you know someone like Capture is the right partner for them. I hear you, and yeah, I mean it's one of these things too. Is you know in a lot of ways you are a natural progression of OCR, right? And the just a completely different approach to it altogether. But for people who are used to the one thing, trying to get them to understand the new the new thing is often difficult. Second question I have for you is, what's been the biggest challenge in the company to where it is today? I feel like this is going to sound old-fashioned of me, but getting people to really buy in and believe into where we're going uh, has been harder than I thought. And again, that's a little bit unique to the situation of our company. 25 years old, up until you know four, four years, three, four years ago, we were kind of focused in a bit of a different area in this, in this industry. You know, We really got excited like I said, four years ago into focusing on what we do now. Um, but it's been a hard transition. And you know, it's required people to think differently about their jobs, think differently about our processes and uh, the way we go to market, the way we talk about stuff, the way we treat our customers. And uh, I, you know, grass is always greener. You know, there's probably plenty of startups who would say, hey, I'd love to actually start my business within you know, an existing business that's cash flowing, that has customers, and just grow from there. There are days that I, I wish I could just start from scratch. Because I wouldn't have to, uh, it would be easier to not have these legacy uh, cultural issues that, uh, th- that, that we've had to go through um, in the last few years. So uh, a bit unique to us, but you know, getting people to buy in, and, and this is kind of across any organization. If you, if you truly believe in what you're doing and you buy in and you have this mindset of, hey, even though we maybe haven't done it this way in the past, I'm open to trying something new, you can surprise yourself on how far you can go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, cultural change is always difficult. So it's not surprising that that's a concern. Uh, last question I have for you is what excites you the most about what it is you're working on keeps you getting up in the morning to fight the good fight that uh, is, is re-educating people in the space and then basically solving their problems? Yeah, it's, it's fun because there are so many problems out here, so many things to get solved. And the way that we even solve them, we're, we're getting better at that. I mean, even this past week, I had an employee come in who was, had built a machine learning model specifically for a huge, a huge bank, someone you guys would all know. And we were having some trouble uh, with a specific document type, getting good accuracy in terms of finding the data and classifying the, the document. And so uh, this person and, and another colleague kind of put their heads together and brainstormed a few things and, and tried it out and voila, it worked. 
and we now have you know kind of high degree of accuracy on this document type and, and pulling the data out. And, and so it's just fun. There's just little challenging things every day that we're trying to solve. Or we learn of new use cases in organizations where we say, oh, we didn't even realize that existed in a bank. Uh, but that's a huge problem. And so if you're you know, if you're intellectually curious and you're always trying to learn, this is a great space to be because there's there's just so much to go solve and no one's really ever done it. And so you get to you get to be on the leading edge of, of, of figuring it out. Fantastic. Well, yeah, that uh, discovery must be uh, definitely amusing to get to go through for sure. Anyway, well, thank you so much for taking the time today. Sincerely appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate you having me on. Pleasure. So that was Will Robinson, CEO of Encapture. I hope you enjoyed that. And if you're in the market for this sort of thing, then um, specifically if you're a large purchaser of a major bank and you're looking to basically alleviate the the need for people to stare at IDs, I still can't believe I'm talking like this in 2022. If you need to get that done, then uh, please take a look at Encapture. So as always, if you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever is your podcast. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.